Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 151 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a returning guest joining us this week, and that's Howard Brown. Howard was on the show almost exactly a year ago. That was episode 129. You can go back and listen to my first conversation with Howard at wehavecancershow.com forward slash 129 so that you can be up to speed. And Howard asked to come back to have an important conversation, and this is one I, I feel we don't have enough of, and that is... What happens after Ned? What happens after you receive a few reports in a row that I know we're all striving for, those of us who are in the midst of our cancer experience, to get that no evidence of disease Ned report? And what happens after you get a few of those? What are the challenges? How do you move forward? Can you move forward? And what are the things that, that you know you need to consider as you start to leave the phrase cancer patient in your rearview mirror and start thinking of yourself as a ongoing survivor? So I think you'll appreciate some of the things that Howard and I bring up and discuss. And with no further ado, join me now for my conversation with my buddy, Howard Brown. Howard, it's not often that I get to tell people, welcome back to the podcast. Not for any bad reasons. It's just not often that I have the opportunity to bring somebody back to continue the story for whatever reason. And I'm thrilled to a year later to say to you, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. I'm so so pleased to to be back and to uh, have a conversation with you and to you know share with you know our advocacy and uh, and our lives with uh, people and uh, and hopefully positively influence and uh, give good advice out there for folks going through the struggle. Sure. So for folks that haven't listened to episode 129 from last year, please do check it out at wehavecancershow.com forward slash 129. But, you know, my most vivid memory from our conversation a year ago, Howard, was I think the term you used for the procedure was shake and bake. And I know you weren't talking about one of your moves on the basketball court, but you were referring to what I understand is one of the most challenging procedures for colorectal cancer patients, and that was the HIPEC procedure. So fast forward and, and you know, share with us what's happened since. Sure. So I, I ended up um, metastasizing in the summer of 2017, and I got very desperate, told to get my affairs in order. And then I, I finally had a little bit of a breakthrough that this uh, arena T Canada Vastin showed a little bit of regression or, or what we like to call uh, Jerry Costanza, George Costanza shrinkage, <laughs> right? So I, I got a little a little shrinkage, which was, was which was a very good thing to have. And for that, I got more chemotherapy, and I started to investigate. You know, this thing called cytoreduction high pack, which is hot chemo bath, which was invented by Dr. Sugar Baker out of Washington, D.C. And 
Um, it was really started with appendiceal cancer, but has now been you know, successfully used uh, for other cancers, specifically colorectal cancer. And I, I joined uh, the online social uh, the private uh, Facebook community, Colon Town, and they have a Hypec Heights where there's real people that have gone through the procedure one, two, or three times to get my information and to be able to learn about what was ahead of me. If, if I would qualify for it, you have to qualify for that. And I went through a process of learning and doing research and also making sure that uh, uh, I would interview doctors to see who would accept me. And they do something called the peritoneal cancer index. And they basically measure the amount and size of cancer you have in your abdominal region and your peritoneum. And uh, you score zero to 30, 30 being very bad, zero meaning very light amount of cancer. I scored a six, which is very reasonable. And um, I started to interview doctors. And um, I interviewed some of the major, you know, high-pec centers in Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Boston, but I ended up staying close to home. Um, the, the, the surgery part or deep bulking is very important. And um, I, uh, my surgeon was excellent at that, although I was his HIPEC uh, candidate number 41. And uh, so still fairly early on, others had done lots more, but I felt comfortable doing it here in Michigan. And um, mother of all surgeries is what it's called. Uh, they basically, you know, basically gutting the fish and the chicken at the same time. And they clear your insides out of anything they can see. And Right now, they, they use a hot chemo called mitomycin. In other parts of the world, they use other chemo agents. And they do hot chemo for 90 minutes. And they rotate you so it gets into, this, you know, into the cells. And they rotate you like a chicken. So that's why it's called shake and bake, not my moves on the basketball court or, or my wife's cooking. So it's very interesting. To, you, know, you hope that the hot chemo is the cherry on top, that it's going to kill micro cancer. But the debulking part, anything they can see, dead and live cancer, so they pull out. It's a very invasive procedure. It, I was in uh, surgery for 11 and a half hours. I woke up in the ICU and I pressed the morphine drip is what I recall. And then the recovery part of learning how to get your bowels woken up, taking stents out of your kidneys, <laughs> learning how to eat again. I did not have an ostomy bag, which is somewhat rare, but did not have that. And um, I started to put the pieces back together again. You got to build yourself back up mentally, physically, and uh, it's a process. Yeah. So fast forward, and you recently have received some consistently good news. I have. And so everything that, uh, you know, I used to be called achieving remission after five years, and that was where they, they would never say you're cured. The docs are all scared of that word. They, they, the oncologists or surgeons don't want to talk about that. But people are living longer with cancer. And I think that the greatest hope uh, that, that we have is we want to get to something they now call NED, Uncle Ned, or no evidence of disease at this time. And so you've experienced a little NED, I've experienced a little NED, and then uh, and that's where you want to get to. You want to you, you want to have a scan or something definitive tell you that you do not have any cancer in your system, and that you know you want to pick up the pieces like Humpty Dumpty and, and build your life back again. Right. Easier said than done, though. For sure. Right? Because what is, you know, we've heard so many phrases, uh, especially with the current pandemic, you know, if I hear the phrase new normal one more time, I think I'm going to puke. <laughs> but, but you know, as it relates to cancer, you know, that's a term we hear or you hear doctors say, all right, you know, go live your life. And, and you go, what does that mean? Right? 
it sounds easy. Do they, hand, do they hand you a playbook? <laughs> do they hand you a right. playbook with that? Yeah. Go rebuild your yeah. life. Go start again. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> so, you know, now that you're in that, in that boat and, you know, nine years in, I'm still hoping to, you know, be on that boat longer than a six month stint, which is about my record at this point. You know, what are you feeling? Three, three good scans in a row. You know, one part of you says, go live your life and uh, start, you know, shifting, putting cancer in the rearview mirror. But that's so much easier said than done. It, it is. Um, I think you, you try to take one day at a time. I don't like the phrase new normal. you got to create your own path, your own normal. No one really t- can tell you how to do it. So, you know, again, you got to pick up the pieces and there, there's ability to get depressed. Um, I have to tell you that the people, you know, everyone living under this bubble called COVID now, us cancer patients um, and survivors, we, we've lived under that. We, we know what that is, right? It's all too familiar. But uh, now everyone's getting a taste of what uh, cancer patients actually deal with, you know, minute by minute and daily, right? Sure, sure. No doubt. So I'm really trying to figure it out. Um, and now for the listeners that don't recall in Podcast 129, I'm a two-time stage four. I had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at age 24 and, um, and now stage four colon cancer at uh, age 50 and now 54. And so uh, back then I was a kid, right? I'm 24 years old and um, uh, I, I think I just kind of went the other direction. I, uh, I, I just wanted to, nothing to do with it. I wanted to get my life back. I, I uh, wanted to build myself up and, and I did. Um, you know, being th- this age right now, being a, uh, you know, married and, and a father, um, I, I, I think I have a different appreciation for getting to this point, um, especially uh, in the fact that we have the Internet. We actually have these um, online communities where we're gaining knowledge and advice and giving knowledge and advice to lots of other patients in the struggle. And we're living with people that are dying you know, multiple times a week in the stage four area. So there's good peeps and good soldiers going down all the time. And um, for whatever reason, they're not making it and, and we're getting a chance to live with in treatment or without. And so uh, I think about that. Um, but I also try to uh, use a phrase I, I use in our last podcast is, is I try to uh, put my mental toughness hat on and um, be a little selfish and weed out the negativity and try try to, it's hard, but you know, not sweat the small stuff. We all say that, but uh, and try to keep the positivity going as uh, I make my decisions moving forward. Yeah, one of the things I'm curious to get your take, Howard, that I struggle with. You know, when I was between, you know, several times when I've been Ned until the next recurrence came around, is the perception of the people around me, especially my family and the people that you know that that love us you know, and have the best of intentions, they don't understand, you know? Oh, you know, and I think back to when I was first uh, diagnosed uh, in spring of 2011 and, you know, I had a recurrence uh, late uh, 2012 and went through the 12 rounds of fall Fox and a liver resection. And after the fall Fox, the first scan was clean so everybody in the family, myself included, because I was naive at the time. Oh, celebration. Let's go have a big dinner and you're done. Right. And, and I, even I fell into that 
only to find six months later that something else occurred. And so while this experience has changed me as a patient, everybody else around it still looks the same. You know, next time I have a clean scan, everybody wants to celebrate and I'm in no mood. Am I grateful? A hundred percent. Aren't we all to get Ned, you know, a, a Ned scan? But I can't take my eye off the rear view, you know, off off of what's in front of me because my history shows me it's going to come back again. And that, you know, it, it really, for me, uh, definitely changes the perception. And then how do you juggle those around you who are pushing you to celebrate and 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 move on to, you know, your new normal? Yeah, that's it's 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 so our caregivers and our family, boy, what what a, a thankless job because you know, we're going through it, but they're they're on the sidelines and doing everything they can to support us. But how do they know how we really feel? And so, you know, you don't want to get too, too high, too, too low. You want to steer the ship as consistently as you can. But really, we're navigating a gauntlet. We're navigating a gauntlet on a tightrope, yeah. right? And that tightrope with no net is is it weighs on you on so many different levels, you know, mentally and psychologically and physically, you don't want to get too excited because the other shoe could drop at any time. And we, we talk about going in for a scan. A lot of people who use the term scanxiety, right? Sure. Because that scan, you know, could reveal more cancer, new cancer. Uh, it's back. And, um, you know, you want the scan that actually says no evidence of disease or stables. People are happy for stable scans. And, um, you know, we're, we're living a life on eggshells. And it's, it's unless you're walking on those eggshells, Lee, as you and I do and have and are, it's hard for other people to put themselves in our shoes. They can only try to offer as much empathy and love and support as possible. And, yeah, and absolutely. And, and I'm no way, you know, being critical because to your point, it comes from a good place. You know, it comes from absolutely. love and support, no doubt. But, you know, every time I'm on the phone with my father, he doesn't listen to the show so I can I can talk about it. You know, he <laughs> likes to say, oh, you're my hero. I don't want to be anybody's hero. You know, I just want to get well. And and God forbid this thing turn turn south. Am I still your hero? You know, did I fail? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's it, it's it's tough. It's tough. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. I, I hear you. So my, my dad's a tough guy. And, and again, I, you know, when I went through cancer at 24, I, I went, moved back home to do my treatment and my parents were caregivers and my dad's really tough as nails and he doesn't like to show a lot of emotion. And now I will tell you that uh, a lot of guys who have this, you know, be got to be macho, got to be tough. And I, I, I'm really thrilled for this, our, our new online support area called Man Up for Cancer, because, you know what, it allows us to actually be vulnerable, you know, show some emotion. You know, you don't have to be this big, tough guy when you're going through what we go through. And so uh, allows us to put our guard down and not feel exposed. And, you know, it's, it's really a long overdue need for us, you know, to, to be able to have our place, have our man cave, right. Sure. And, and be a pack together. And so people, you know, they, they, they don't understand because they uh, it's hard if they're not going through it. So as you probably, you know, people ebb and flow out of your life and I'm very transparent and very open. 
But that's how I choose to deal with my cancer. There are many people that are much more closed, much more private about that. And you have to respect that because sure. everyone's got to kind of choose the path and the pace and the trajectory of how they want to deal with it. But I'm finding that sharing and sharing with others is very beneficial and most helpful. Yeah, no doubt. And shout out to Trevor Maxwell for creating the Howling Place, the Man Up to Cancer Facebook group. And for the guys out there and women who are caregivers of men with cancer, definitely want to check out that Facebook group. Uh, what a spectacular job that he's done in such a short period of time creating this group. And, you, you know, and I had Trevor on the show a couple months back and you know, to see in a short period of time, over 500 people in the guys in this group really speaks to the need that you're talking about to have a place, a safe place, uh, you know, for guys like us to vent, complain, bitch. And then, you know, the, what did they do uh, last Friday? They called it ABC Friday, anything but cancer. So, you know, people right. were talking about uh, their hobbies and the things they do for fun. You know, see, to your point, you know, having that outlet is is critically important. So one of the ways that, you know, I've been able to really in my path is that for me, I set a goal out there to get back on the basketball court. Now, I have major neuropathy in my 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 hands and feet. And but I, I didn't want to let that stop me. And so I just wanted to get back on the basketball court. So through chemotherapy, I actually played soccer goalie and, play, and th played basketball as much as I could. I was slowed down, but I didn't feel like a cancer patient out there. And so I've heard through the, the you know, the man up for cancer, people just want to go to their happy place of go fishing. Right. Go fishing, catch a few fish, you know, go hunting. You know, not that I do that, but others, they, they want to go for their place that they feel can kind of restore, you know, you know, some of their their self. And, and, and everyone's got that different place. But if you don't, you should find one and and point that target and go go get it. And, you know, there, there were days that I did not want to go play basketball. And I got to tell you, my boys, they would come and pick me up. They, they, they would get me out there and I'd play maybe a game and have to sit out the rest of the time, but I got there and now I'm back playing basketball. I'm not quite as good as I used to be, but I can knock down a three pointer. <laughs> and I will tell you, it's been very healthy on so many levels to my, for my, my head, you know, physically. And I, I do think it's part of the healing process. Yeah. I mean, and I'm as passionate as you are about, you know, physical activity, doing two mile power walks every morning and, and, you know, weights and those kinds of things. And it's to your point, it's not about the, you know, look, I'm going to be 60 in a few months. It's not, I'm not entering bodybuilding competitions, but it's more for your head, right? Don't you find when you're on the court, you know, it's this, I'm not sick. The cancer is not part of my life. You know, people with cancer or people who survive cancer are, aren't sweating and, and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's some out there, but, I, uh, you know, uh, you know, running a, uh, you know, Ironman triathlon or, you know, if you could do that, God bless. It's great. <laughs> but, you know, just for me, I had my goal and I'm, I'm living that goal and, it, and it's helping me move forward. You know, I, do I think about all the poison that was put into me to try to save my life and what the future could last? Because the amount of chemotherapy, the amount of full body radiation, quite frankly, I can tell you the theory is pretty strong that that gave me colon cancer and didn't allow my body to uh, fight the polyps that were growing. And plus, I got tested at age 50, not at age 40. And um, I had an eight centimeter tumor sitting in my cecum. 
And so, you know, the amount of chemotherapies and the chemotherapies have been around for colon cancer specifically for a long time. They haven't changed too much. And now with the advent of some of these immunotherapies and combination therapies, we're making progress, but they're still practicing medicine by God. They, uh, they're practicing and still trying to, you know, figure this out. They don't have it solved yet. No, but they certainly have, to your point, have, you know, come a long way, particularly in our age group, you know, separate conversation with the alarming things happening with young onset colorectal cancer. And uh, we've covered that topic here on the show many, many times with young survivors. And and that's an area that uh, serious progress needs to be made quickly. But, you know, in terms of guys like us, progress has been made and, and there's a lot more to come. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and uh, as you know, from our, our first conversation, I'm also a young cancer survivor too, only I was That's a little right. kid, and, but right. I think I think the exact same thing, that heavy dose of radiation, I'm convinced now led to my colon cancer, you know, just those heavy doses at the age of four and five years old, uh, um, you know, uh, I'm convinced, you know, put me where I am today. Yeah, I mean, the, the hot chemo bath, I mean, could could it have longer term effects? You had to save today, right? We had to save, you know, my life right now. And so the risk versus the reward was give me the hot chemo. Now, I heard that it's controversial. Some people do it. Some people don't. But for me, any chance of killing microcancer, I was all for it. And as far as giving me you know, a greater life expectancy is where it's at, you know, for being told, you know, those, that sad news that you have metastatic colon cancer, and it's gone to the liver and your bladder and your peritoneum. And to get your affairs in order is, is a devastating, you know, statement that, you, you know, I sat there contemplating, not for too long, but uh, it, it takes away your hope. And then if you go and you do the Google, Dr. Google, and you see the statistics of, you know, the, the likelihood to live, you know, no more than 20 months or 18 months or is uh, doesn't doesn't does isn't very positive. So you, you can't look at the statistics. You're not a statistic, and only God knows when your number is up. But still, what do you do next? And putting the pieces back together again is kind of where we're at. And so I am trying desperately not to look in the rearview mirror. I feel very grateful and blessed that I'm now a, a two-time cancer survivor. As I uh, I don't know if I told you, Lee, but I'm I'm writing a book. It's called Shining Brightly. And uh, it's, a, it's a memoir of uh, how to embrace life at its uh, low and high points. And it's hopefully going to be very inspirational. It will not be just a cancer book. But, you know, that, that's one of the areas also that I'm now focused on as a next step to putting the pieces back together of my life. And listen, I am not planning to go anywhere soon. I, I, it was almost taken away that I couldn't see my daughter get her high school diploma or go to college. I'm now planning to walk her down the aisle whenever that shall be. You know, not too soon, but hopefully not too far away. <laughs> and you will, I have no doubt. So, you know, we've we've talked about how this has impacted, you know, you. What are you seeing and feeling from your loved ones? Uh, you know, now having had three clean scans, what 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 are they sharing, or or you know, what vibes are you picking up from those close to you? So it's intense, as you know, you know, it's uh, my, 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 my mom was my caregiver, my dad, when I first had lymphoma at age 24, and my wife now, Lisa, of 27 years. So it was intense for her. She, she joined the caregivers group of Colon Town. It was very helpful. But the stage four group of caregivers, you're dealing with a lot of death. 
a lot of relapse. Um, it's very uh, mentally anguishing for her. Um, she didn't know if she was going to lose, lose her life partner and husband. I will tell you now, after getting a couple of clean scans, three in a row, she just wants me to get another, but she's a little burnt out. You know, it's, it's hard for her to go back, dive in, and, and she, she supports others, but she, she's looking for the, the, the breath of fresh air, the light at the end of the tunnel. She wants us to be able to take traveling and trips and, and get to some place of her normalcy because it overtook our whole worlds financially, mentally, physically. And so she's she's coming out of this scarred but uh, tough kit cookie and and trying to help put the pieces back together of one our life together as a couple and her own life where she she parked everything on hold as our caregivers do. My twin sister who saved my life with a bone marrow transplant so supportive. She's got her three kids and her husband and her own life to deal with, but you know she she checked her parts of her life off to to help support me cuz she lives a half hour away my mom flew in every every major milestone there of, of surgery or chemo or she flew in a lot you know they're in there uh, you know putting their you know, there this is not such a main frontal topic hopefully anymore but they all check on my health they don't want me getting covid <laughs> or corona uh, you know with blood clots no one no one wants to go through that and and i think especially you know fragile for my daughter um, she, she was in high school, they were almost her whole entire high school career. Dad's sick. Dad's, uh, you know, and I, 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 they asked not how she was doing, but how's your dad doing? And so she felt neglected. Her friends cared a lot about her and supported her. So some of that is coming out now. And, um, she went away to college, got some freedom, but I'm really pleased to tell you, and I don't know if Emily will listen to this or not, but if she does, I'm so pleased she's getting counseling. She's she's getting some therapy help, and she's uh, I'm sure this isn't all she's talking about as a as a 18 almost 19 year old teenager. There's lots of other issues, you know, uh, that she can talk about, but one of them definitely. And she she she's now doing that. So I think it took time for her to process that, and and she was angry. She was angry that the ch- at the chance of losing her dad so early, but I think also she sees how tough I am, and. Um, but again, there's there's a lot of caregivers and family self-neglect, and they have to now put the pieces back for themselves and start taking care of their own well-being as well is kind of how I'm seeing it. Yeah. Excited to hear about the book. What What is the, the main message that you book does come out that you want people to, to take away from Shining Brightly, Howard? So I, I've tried. I, I've had lots of people have their own journeys of their life. I've had a very unique life where I've had some major highs. Taking companies public was, uh, you know, just crazy. But how I did it, my life was so out of balance. My wife kind of gave me an ultimatum and said, you know, you got to be home for dinner if you, you know, you were going to make a baby. And and we had to make a baby with frozen sperm for after eleven years. So that was a very big lesson learned. And, you know, surviving the two cancers, certainly lots of low points there. Uh, being a twin and growing up was uh, just an amazing experience that we'll talk about in the book. But the book's going to talk about basketball for me. Basketball for me is my happy place. And being a point guard taught me so many life lessons about how to be the floor general, the quarterback, in business, in family, but more about coaching and mentorship. And so one of the most positive things I've ever done in my whole life was I became a big brother. I was a Jewish big brother, a young boy at age 10. His name's Ian Ellis, and he's now 37. We are family. Wow. 
It's a pretty incredible story. And people go, you gave so much to Ian. And I was like, what are you talking about? This kid gave so much to me. I I never had a son. I never had a little brother. Oh, my God. It's a great piece of it. So that's just, you know, a little highlight reel to it. And so the the Shining Brightly piece is that uh, I've been a trustee and president of the Babson College and number one school for entrepreneurship. Even through cancer, I I, I did that. So I, I developed these shiny sunglasses. And I would put these sunglasses on and I would say, hey, Babson, you're shining brightly today. And so I think that everyone needs to put on their sunglasses and shine brightly in in whatever they do, whether it's actually a small one, small step, pay it forward, you know, be a cancer whisperer, because when you whisper, people listen more intently. I've learned that. And, and, And you have ability to shine brightly, even if you're having the worst of days. And then one last thing about the book is that I lived a little bit of a James Bond life as well. I've put myself out there in, in Jewish Muslim relations. And uh, there's some real cool stories in there about just, uh, you know, putting yourself out there and, and not knowing the outcomes and taking some risk in your life. You only got one life to live and we live at risk a lot, but it's, it's really a pay it forward, shine, shine brightly in all that you can do as best as you can. You know, we we had a year between having you on the show, and of course, you're welcome back anytime. If we were to do this again a few years from today, what's the new what's the new story you would hope to be sharing? So the the, the story is that we're making so much more progress in cancer treatment, but also in the ability to make sure that people can get pre-screened with colonoscopies and cologuards and and not just for our cancer, but for all cancers that we can actually get much more preventative and awareness out there. And just like a cure for polio, you know, they've got AIDS under control. You know, we're going to get COVID under control and corona sooner than later. But same thing with some of these, you know, cancer stuff. I, I, that's my real hope. And and, and maybe, maybe we'll, we'll advance that quickly. My hope is that we are talking and you are Ned <laughs> and lots of our other compatriots and, and brothers in arms and sisters in arms are, 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 are living longer and fulfilling their life and, and, uh, and giving back some as well. Um, that's all you can do. As my mother and all Jewish mothers would say, from your mouth to God's ears. Amen. <laughs> right. Howard, I really appreciate you reaching out and, and, and wanting to come do a part two, if you will, a sequel. And, uh, you know, it's my hope that people uh, in our boat, whether they're more in my boat, more in your boat, that they'll take something out of this and some guidance and some inspiration. Because even still, and I know I've said this repeatedly, and I don't want anybody listening, and I don't want you uh, to think that this has changed. Even still, after nine years and still and being back in chemo right now, these still have been the best nine years of my life. Amen, brother. Amen. Right. Thank you, Lee, for having me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, God, let's just uh, let's 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 have that conversation the next time I come on. Keep on with good health. Yeah, no doubt. Be well, my friend. Thank you. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that traditionally I take a break somewhere in the middle of the show to share with you the various events that the Colon Cancer Coalition is promoting around the country. Obviously, with the situation as it is right now, and many of us trying to adhere to social distancing, they've been unable to uh, obviously host their live events, particularly their Get Your Rear and Gear Run Walk events, things of that nature. 
However, you could still support them because they've transitioned several of these events to quote unquote virtual events, really an easy way for you to support the Colon Cancer Coalition from home. And it's important to me to to share this message with you because I know so many nonprofits currently are really struggling for support with the current situation. And they've been a wonderful and longtime supporter of the We Have Cancer podcast. So if you're looking for ways to support the Colon Cancer Coalition, please visit their website at coloncancercoalition.com forward slash events. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.